So how are you doing this evening? Good. Okay, so what do you like to do for fun? Are you looking for a relationship? Do you have any food? shining armor, right? I mean, what lady wants to be with a guy like that? I mean, what little girl lays in bed and dreams about spending the rest of her life with a man who would say those things? You see, if you weren't with us last week, we jumped into this brand new series. It's a series called It's Not You, It's Me. And it's a series on intimate relationships, dating and marriage. And what we're doing in this series is we're really taking some cultural myths, myths that we believe in, myths that we bought into, and that are really wreaking havoc, they're messing up, they're destroying our relationships. Week one, we talked about the myth of if I find or I'm with the right person, everything will be all right. I mean, if I just find Mr. or Mrs. Right, like, hey, I'll experience that happily ever after that I'm looking for. The problem with that myth, as we stated, is ultimately no human can fully satisfy you or complete you. It's only found at the cross of Jesus Christ. And so when we place expectations on a person that can't satisfy them, it sets up our relationships for failure. And so we just issued this challenge to our entire church, like, hey, maybe we should try finding more fulfillment in Jesus rather than some relationship or some boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse. And we said, hey, we want you to be a part of a 20-day challenge where you just invest in your walk with God. And I hope this 20-day challenge, we're five days in, has really been good for you. I hope you've reflected a little bit. I hope you said, God, please make me into the man or woman. If you haven't jumped into the challenge and you're just checking out Northridge Church and you want to, I'd encourage you, man, on your connection card, there's a box, 20-day challenge. We'll send it right to you every single day. But as we jump into week two of this series, I'd encourage you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, chap- 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to provide one for you. Um, that will be on page 932. You can also follow along on our Northridge app. You can take notes in that as well. And as we jump into this second week, man, this is not like a churchy topic. This is like every day for all of us. I mean, relationships are difficult, they're hard, but there's something that we encounter every single day. How do you navigate them? How do you wind through the journey of all the relationships that we encounter? 
And today we're going to talk about a topic that is not the easiest one to talk about. We're going to talk about a topic that I think the church as a whole has kind of overlooked because it's hard to talk about. You see, my wife and I, we have this car. It's called a Nissan Murano. It's kind of one of those crossover vehicles. And if you rewind the tape about eight years When Ashley and I were first married, we'd been married for about two years, we pinched our pennies, we saved every dollar that we could to purchase this car. It was the nicest car that I have ever owned. It had about 30,000 miles on it, really nice paint job, leather interior, heated seats, a backup camera. Man, I thought I was the cat's meow, man. I loved getting into that vehicle. I was like, man, baby, we've made it. This is life, and this is what it's about. And so I drove that car with pride. Now, if you fast forward the tape to present day, we still have that Nissan Murano. But a lot has changed. Those leather seats are torn and tattered. There's like Cheerios and raisins, and I have no clue what else in the nooks and crannies from my children. It has about 185,000 miles on it. When you turn it on, it sounds kind of like a weed whacker. And it's really encouraged my prayer life because every time I get it and I'm like, dear Jesus, get me from A to B. That's all I'm asking. And the other day I, I looked at Ashley and I said, you know, babe, it's, it's probably time we traded that vehicle in for something maybe a little more valuable. You know, it's, it's time we, we, we traded that vehicle in for something that just looks a little bit better, something that's more valuable or, or better, really. And you know what is sad in our culture today? Is the way I view my car is how a lot of men view women today. They're a commodity. You know, if my wife or my girlfriend doesn't satisfy my needs, I'll just find some other girl that does. You know, if, if, if she just loses that figure that I loved, And she kind of lets herself go, you know, don't worry about it. There's plenty more fish in the sea. The second myth we're going to talk about today is that women are a commodity. Women are a commodity in our culture today. That's how we view women. Hey, they don't satisfy you. Find someone who will. And let's just define the term. What is a commodity? What is a commodity? You see, it's something you use, abuse, and trade in for something more valuable. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. It's 2017, Drew. Like, I know, maybe back then, but I feel like we've come a long way. And I just don't know if, if, if women are viewed that way today. I, I just, I, I'm going to push back. I'm not sure. Well, let me prove it to you today. Did you know that in 2016, that's just last year, In a full year of 2016, 4.6 billion hours, now fathom that for a second, 4.6 billion hours of pornography were watched on the world's largest porn site. Guess who the majority of people viewing were? Men. Because you know what? My wife just doesn't satisfy me in that area, so I'll just kind of figure it out on my own. 4.6 billion hours. 79% of men between the ages of 18 and 30 view pornography on a regular basis. 
because women are commodities, you know? They don't satisfy you, just find one that will. It's not in just what we view, it's also in what we hear and what we listen to. There's a popular artist, his name is Ray J. Pretty cool name, huh? He wrote a song, that was a joke, you can laugh, it's okay. <laughs> They'll get better, I promise. Popular artist named Ray J. He wrote a song and the title is, I Hit It First. And his whole song is geared towards his ex-girlfriend's boyfriend, just letting her, him know, like, hey, don't, I, I know she's with you right now, but I had sex with her first. Like she's some property to be owned. Like, hey, I, I know she's with you, but trust me, I've already placed my stamp. She's mine. Another song. And this isn't a song that no one's heard of before. This is a top charter in 2017. Parents, this is probably a song that your kids have heard on the radio because it's played on a regular basis. It's called Blurred Lines. And here's the lyrics it refers to women as. Tried to domesticate you, but you're an animal. Baby, it's in your nature. Just let me liberate you. You don't need no papers. That's, that man is not your mate. And that's why I'm going to take you. Good girl, I know you want it. I know you want it. It's, it's hard to read this garbage. And unfortunately, we live in a culture today is that's how we view women. But you know what's even more unfortunate? Is it's not just in culture. It's in the church. Because I know what some men are, are thinking in their minds. Well, you know, I, I'm good. I, I don't view pornography. And I haven't even heard of those songs, let alone listen to those songs. And we think, ah, oh, man, I can just relax. I'm good. I don't treat women this way. But let's be real for a second, guys. What about that moment in the office or that moment when you're driving down the car and you see that girl with that tight miniskirt on or those jogging pants? And you take that second look and you look at places that you never will ever want your wife or your girlfriend to know you look at. Because we can just look. It's not that big of a deal. We can look wherever we want because women are a commodity. And that's our culture. It's in the church. It's everywhere. And unfortunately, that's the exact opposite of what Scripture says. So what's the problem with this myth? We find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul, we looked at last week, verses 4 through 7, where he defines what love is. He says love isn't looking for someone, it's becoming someone. But then he continues, verse 11, he says this, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So Paul introduces this natural transition in life, one that if you're a parent, you've maybe seen. He says, hey, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I acted and behaved like a child. Now, I have two children in my house. One's three years old and one's three months old. And let me just tell you, you probably know this, what a child is like. A child is irrational. A child is selfish. And ultimately, a child just wants immediate gratification. Mommy, Daddy, I want it now, and I want it my way. That's how a child acts. And what Paul is saying here is he says, hey, when I was a child, that's exactly how I acted. But then he makes this distinct transition. When I became a man, when I stepped into manhood, 
I put those selfish ways, I put that immediate gratification behind me, and I became a man. And the application of this verse on our topic today is this. Thinking of women as a commodity is a childish behavior. Thinking of women as as something that you can use and abuse for your own satisfaction is a childish behavior. Because some guys, you know, my wife just says no all the time when I want to have sex. And so I I just go find it somewhere else. Let me tell you something, guys. That's childish. That's immediate gratification. I want it now. And I think Paul's saying to us as men, hey, it's time we put the ways of childhood behind us and we started acting like godly men who treat women differently. They're not commodities. And there's two things I want us to understand based off of this verse, and this is the first one. Women are not property to be owned, but they are image bearers to be honored. I'll say that again. Women are not property to be owned. They are image bearers to be honored. You know, I think sometimes we just fail to realize what God's word says about us. Let me remind you, first Genesis chapter one, when God created the male and female. He says this, he says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But for some reason, as as men, we just act like we're better, we're more significant. But Scripture clearly says, hey, when God created us, he didn't say, oh, I'm just going to give my image to the guys. No, he gave his image to male and female. He makes us all equal. We all carry the very image of God. Psalms chapter 139, verse 14, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, ladies, if... The guy ever calls you a commodity. Just know that you don't have to find your value in what a man says about you because the perfect, flawless God who created you made you fearfully and wonderfully, and he's already placed his stamp of value and honor on you. You don't have to find it in some male's opinion. You can already find it in the guy who created you, the Savior who sustains you because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The second thing I want us to realize, guys, How we treat the women in our life says a lot about the kind of God you follow. This is serious. I I really think this is a, a big deal, guys. Like, hey, how you treat the women in your life not only says a lot about you as a man, but it says a lot about the God you claim to follow. We wonder why the world is so confused in who Jesus is. It's because, honestly, the example that we set as husbands, as men, And I'm not just talking about intimate relationships right now. I'm talking about in your office as a boss or an employee. I'm talking about your mom and your sisters. I'm talking about all the women that are in your sphere of influence. How you treat them says a lot, not only about you, but about Jesus. How you treat your wife, does it say who God is? How you treat your employees how you treat the women in your life. What does it say about who Jesus is? So really that leads me to the question, okay, okay, if there's a problem with this myth, like what does Jesus say about it? I think this is always a, a good question to come back to. Like what does Jesus say about this topic? What does the Bible say about this topic? And you gotta understand, when Jesus came on the scene, when Jesus was born, he stepped into a culture where women had no value. 
You, gotta, you really have to understand this. When Jesus came into the, the scene and he started living life, he stepped into a culture where women had zero value, zero say. Women, honestly, in Jesus' culture were good for two things, making dinner and reproducing. And I don't say that to be insensitive. That was the actual culture in which he lived in. Women had no value. In fact, even the royal women had no value. Even the highest of, of Roman women, like women married to Caesar, all they were were sex appeal to say how powerful Caesar was. They had no say or no rights. In this culture, women had no value. But it's interesting, as Jesus begins to start his ministry, he begins to start giving women value. John chapter 4, you're going to be reading this in your 20-day challenge. John chapter 4 is the first example of this. Jesus, it says in John chapter 4, he had to go to Samaria. Why? Because he was going to have an interaction at the well with a woman. And even in this interaction with Jesus and this woman, his disciples look at Jesus and be like, Why, what are you doing, Jesus? What's going on? Why are you talking to this woman? One, because she was a Samaritan. The Jews hated Samaritans. But secondly, because she was a woman. See, in this culture, men didn't speak to women. In fact, they didn't even look them in the eyes because women didn't have enough value to look a man in the eyes. But yet Jesus, remember this. Remember who this is. This is the Son of God. He's come on a mission to save the world from their sins. And you would think his schedule's pretty packed. You would think he'd got, he has a lot to do. But yet in Jesus' schedule, he finds time to slow down and speak to a woman and say, you matter to me. You're valuable to me. I'll treat you with respect. John chapter 8, four chapters later, there's a woman caught in adultery. She's dragged in front of the crowd by the Pharisees. She's guilty. She deserves to be stoned. That's what the law said. And here's this woman who really doesn't mean anything to anybody. She has no value, and she's even made it worse because she's caught. She's guilty of adultery. And I find it interesting that this woman's caught in adultery, but nowhere in Scripture do we have any clue where the guy is. Where's the dude who slept with her? Like, let's beat him too, at least. No, because men had value and women didn't. So the guy could get away with it, but the girl was going to be stoned. Because who cares, right? She's not valuable in our culture. And here is a woman guilty, deserving to be stoned. And Jesus steps in and he says, ah, you who hasn't made a mistake, throw the first stone. And as they walk away, Jesus says, hey, even the women who have zero, nothing value, you matter to me. I'll treat you with honor and I'll treat you with respect. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, here's what he does. He shakes culture and he breaks tradition and he begins to elevate women. He begins to say, you matter and you're deserving of respect and honor. Jesus broke tradition and began to elevate women. And, and what's interesting is you'll never hear this from your historians. I mean, you look at the span of 2,000 years. We have come a long way in 2017. 2,000 years, women are starting to earn the, the respect they deserve. They're starting to receive the honor that they deserve. But no one will ever tell you that it started with Jesus. No historian will ever tell you that this movement started in the Gospels where Jesus said in a culture that had no value, women were worth valuing. But no one's ever going to tell you that in the world. No one's ever going to tell you that in culture, but Jesus is the first one who started it. 
and his teachings began to gain traction in the local church. It started with Jesus. Now it goes to Paul. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now we look at that from our culture. That just seems to make sense. Like, duh, you should love your wives, husband. But in that culture, remember, marriages were arranged. They didn't even know the other person. It wasn't like they were in love, butterflies and everything. No, this was a culture where, hey, you're marrying this guy. And the male, the husband, he, all he had to do was make sure his wife did what he wanted. And here the culture, again, is shaking because Paul says, hey, godly men, love your wife, not just with a nice kind of love. Love her like Jesus loved the church. You know how much Jesus loved the church? He sacrificed everything. He gave his life up for the church. That's a radical kind of love. And here, Jesus is teaching or gaining traction. And I'd ask you today, husbands, you love your wife like Christ loves the church? Are you willing to give up everything for her? Is that how you treat her? Because I know what a lot of husbands will say, well, yeah, I'd give up my life for my wife, but yet you won't help her wash the dishes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like we stand up here proudly, I'd, I'd step in front of a car, but yet you won't help her clean the house. You won't speak to her kindly. Something's wrong there. Do you love her? If you're single today as a guy, if you're single, are you preparing to be that kind of husband? Are you shaping into that kind of man? Because it doesn't happen by accident. You don't just wake up one day and say, I do, and man, man I'm just this fantastic husband. It's not how it works. You have to be intentional. You have, you have to allow God to shape you every single day to be the husband that he wants you to be. But it didn't just stop with Paul. It continued in the church. First Peter picked up. He says in verse Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. He says, husbands, as you be considerate to your wives and treat them with respect. That word actually in the original language translates more to like grant them honor. And in this culture, that was something a woman never felt, to be honored. Can you imagine that, ladies, never feeling honor? And yet here Jesus is saying, husbands, honor your wives, respect them. But I know, I know most of you ladies right now are like, hold on a second. We got to get to this part where it says the weaker partner. <laughs> like, hold on a second. I ain't no weaker partner. I know you're thinking it. It's okay. Let me just explain to you what that means. All it means is physical strength. I mean, honestly, in, in, in most marriages, not all, but in most marriages, especially in this day, the husband was a physically more strong person. And in that culture, might ruled the day. If you were stronger, you were better. Because let's be honest, men. Most of our wives are a whole lot smarter than we are. It's not talking about emotional strength. It's talking about physical strength. That's all he's saying as the weaker partner, that your husband is probably physically stronger than you. And then he says this. He says, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And as heirs with you. He reminds every man that what the gospel does is it makes male and female equal. As heirs with you. 
of the gracious gift, what Jesus did on the cross, again reminds us of how we are equal as male and female. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says it like this, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Pretty much says it all. But yet then, why in our culture, why in our homes, do we view women as commodities? I mean, if it should be different anywhere, It should be different in the church. It should be different with the godly men who say, you know what, culture's going this way, but I'm going to go that way. I'm going to be different. I'm going to honor and respect not only my wife and the people I love, but the people I interact with, the ladies I interact with in my office, in my neighborhood, in my daughter's teachers. So how do we get there? How do we break this mold of culture and start going a different way, the way God calls us to? And I really want to give you two takeaways today, two handles to hold on to. I think the first way we do this is we renew our minds. We renew our minds. We think differently. We allow God to transform the way we think. Romans 12, verse 2 says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this takes work. I think we have to change the way we think. And I think this has two implications on two different groups. The first one is the guys. Guys, I I, I would challenge every single man today to do something. I would challenge you to take out the trash. Take out the trash. And what I mean by that, I'm going to get specific is we have to take out and we have to get rid of the things that we're allowing into our minds that cause us to think this way. Let's be real specific. First, the music that we listen to. If you're a high school student, you're a college-age guy, you're an adult, any music that you listen to that refers to a woman as a whore or a hoe or the B word, you should just throw that junk away. On your playlist, on your CDs, any music that refers to women as a commodity. You shouldn't waste your time listening to it. You shouldn't waste time and you shouldn't support an artist who views women that way. You got to take out the trash and get rid of it. Stop listening to that junk. I know you don't think, I just listen to the beat. I don't even look at the lyrics. No, it, it, it filters its way in. Secondly, guys, what websites are you viewing? I mean, let's be real and authentic in church. What websites are you going to? Because you realize as a husband, when you view pornography, what you say to your wife is, hey, you're not good enough. And even worse, not only do you say that to your wife, but you say it to God, hey, God, you're not good enough to satisfy my needs. What websites are you viewing? Because I promise you, the greatest the greatest thing that is it's going to destroy your relationship. Take it from a guy who's been there. In high school, I found myself on a regular basis finding myself on these websites. And it destroyed the way I think about women. It changed the way. It impacted the way I viewed women. And it's doing the same thing to you. Throw it away. Get rid of that garbage. What about the shows you watch on Netflix and Hulu? 
You know, I know we have a, a really easy way to justify what we look at. But like, I know Game of Thrones is a great show, and I know it's, it's really got a good plot line. But anything with nudity in it, guys, you shouldn't waste your time on it. You really shouldn't. Because God's called you to a higher standard. So I challenge all the men every single Monday. It's one of my jobs in my house. It should be your job for the next four weeks. Every Monday night, I get our purple container, and I physically take out the trash. I push it down our driveway, and I put it on the side of the road. And I pray that as you do that, it will be a reminder to you to get rid of all the things in your life that are causing you to view women this way. Can you imagine if you just kind of left your trash, sit there for a couple months? Oh, boy. It'd stink pretty bad. It'd be maggots. It'd be nasty. But yet, why are so many of you men allowing that to stay in your spiritual life? Where that pornography or that website or that music is causing your marriage to stink, or your relationships to stink, and you're okay with it. Guys, we got to take out the trash. Ladies, I challenge you in this. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. You see, I, I know the cycle of life. You, you're told you're a commodity. Men treat you like a commodity, and eventually you just kind of buy it into it. Like, yeah, I guess that's what I am and all I'll ever be. And so maybe you dress a little differently. Maybe you, you, you try to fit into that mold so you get the attention of guys. And I'm telling you today, don't buy the lie. You don't need to look to a man to give your life approval, to give your life value, because you can find that in your Savior. Don't feed into it. Don't buy the lie that you're not worth honoring, you're not worth respecting. And let's be specific. Maybe you're here today and you're in a dating relationship. You're in a dating relationship and you're with a guy who treats you like this. He views you as a commodity. Man, you need to tell that guy goodbye so fast. You know what? I'll sing a song for you. You need to tell him, hey, this is what you need to say. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Promise I will not sing again. <laughs> but I'm serious, ladies. You know what? You're worth more than some jerk who's going to view you that way. If you're in a dating relationship and the guy treats you like that, get rid of him and find a godly man who will respect you and honor you. It's worth waiting for. But some of you, you're in a marriage and you're stuck with a guy who does treat you that way. And I want to make two distinctions here. One, if you're in a marriage, last week I said, hey, the moment you said I do, that person became the right person. But maybe you're in a marriage today and your husband is abusing you physically and emotionally. You don't have to settle for that. You need to speak up and let somebody know. You need to tell your community group leader. You need to tell somebody who you trust and you need to seek counsel. Our church will support you and walk with you through that journey because that's not right. If you're being abused, speak up. Don't hold that in. And I promise you, ladies, it's not your fault. But maybe you're in a marriage and you're not being abused, but your husband views you as a commodity. He doesn't treat you properly. He's not abusing you, but he just speaks down to you. And I know what you've done. You've tried to change him. You've tried to make him see. You've done everything you can to change your husband. And I would challenge you, ladies, if you're in that type of relationship, stop trying to change your husband. 
Because you're never going to succeed in that. You can't change your husband. What you need to do is you need to go to the one who can actually change your husband. Instead of fighting with him, instead of trying to make him see, fall on your knees and go to your heavenly father who's given you value and respect and honor and say, God, please help him to see. God, help him open his eyes. You'll be amazed at what your heavenly father does to protect you. And how he can change your husband because he's the only one who can. Guys, we got to take out the trash. And ladies, we can't buy the lie. But then secondly, I think we need to make a choice to act differently. We have to make a conscious choice. Not tomorrow, not next week. Yeah, I'll figure it out. No, today we make a conscious choice to say, I'm no longer going to treat my wife this way, man. I'm no longer going to buy this lie, ladies. I think one of the most frustrating things for me as as a communicator, as a teacher, is, man, I study hours upon hours, and, and I, I gain traction with this message, and then like three days later in my own life, I forget about it. We're all so guilty of that, aren't we? Where we hear a good message, and we're like, I'm going to change, and then three days later, it's like, oh, wh what did he talk about? And I think today we need to make a conscious choice to say, hey, I, this isn't right. We can't act this way. And we got to live differently. You know, maybe I'm just passionate about this because at home, I have two beautiful little girls. Maybe this kind of hits home with me a little bit harder because I'm surrounded by women in my own house. <laughs> and I can't tell you, I know the time's going to come when my daughters turn 40 and start dating. All right, you're right, 45. <laughs> Seriously, every day this, this, this haunts me a little bit that one day my little girls are going to be old enough to date. And I can't imagine finding out that some guy treated my girl like a commodity. I can't even say out loud the things that go in my head when I think about that. That's something I'm passionate about, and I get fired up over. But what's interesting is in my own passion, God reminded me, how many times have I taken a second look in places I shouldn't have, and I treated somebody else's daughter like a commodity? God reminded me. He said, it's got to be different. Guys, we can't treat women this way. It's not right. They're not property to be owned, but they are image bearers of the Most High God, and it's time we started treating them that way. Start with your wife, and then let it filter throughout all the rest of your, the relationships you have with women. Because when we receive the love of Jesus, it begins to change our relationship. We begin to, when we follow the calling that God set in stone for us and how to treat women, when we follow him, I promise you, it will change your relationships. Let's pray. God, it's not an easy topic to talk about. But God, I, I just look around our culture and... Man, if anywhere it should be different, God, I really believe this. It should be with the godly men, that we should pave a way for our culture to say, hey, we're going to go this direction. You can go that way. We're going this way. And I pray for every man 
at all of our campuses and online, and if you're going to watch this as a podcast later, I pray, God, that you would give us as men the courage, the boldness to live differently, to treat women differently. May our world see what type of God you are through the way we treat the ladies in our life. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.